but no one knows you as well as you and God do. So to work on making you individually, not just like a corporate Christian machine, you know, who God has called yeah. you specifically to be, you have to look at who you specifically are and make those changes, make those shifts. So if we're going to be more than conquerors and children of God, we got to start acting like that to a certain degree and realize what's holding us back. back everybody to the light it up podcast uh, i'm your host white taylor with us today we have our co-host Raphael alvarez what up y'all and our guest felix silva yo what's up everybody <laughs> um so if you have not seen part one with felix silva which came out last week make sure you check that out this is part two in which we're going to be talking about um, conversion and also our true identity in Christ. Um, last week we talked about renewal and deliverance. Make sure you watch part one before you watch part two. If not, um, God will see on your soul. <laughs> um, so without further ado, <laughs> without further ado, let's get started. Uh, Felix is going to give a quick testimony, and then we'll get started. So, okay. All right. So. Uh, I was born and raised in church, most like most church kids. And, you know, instead of giving you the whole sob story about how I was just playing church games, I'll tell you right out the gate that, you know, I genuinely thought I was saved until about two or three years ago. There was just a moment of desperation in my life, especially when COVID hit. I was suicidal. I was depressed. But somehow I still thought that I was like, you know, born again, because I had gotten saved many years prior to that when I was like 12 or 11 or something like that. I, I kind of made the decision without really knowing what it was about or knowing what I was doing. But about of the age of 15 and 14, you know, I was suicidal, depressed, alone. I didn't know what to do with myself. So I threw myself into theater, ironically, because I would give anything to, you know, be anyone else but me. And it worked for a little while. You know, I started throwing myself into different passions, different arts and stuff like that. And at some point, I just had to realize that, you know, there's no shame in coming to God again, but for real this time. Because you know how guys are. We could have our egos like way up there. <laughs> so a part of me just didn't want to have to hit the altar again, you know, have to humble myself enough to accept like, yeah, I'm pretty messed up in the head because there'd be, you know, sleepless nights full of anxiety, depression and everything like that. But on the outside, you would never be able to tell. And that's kind of how most of the world is right now. You know, we put on a front. We like to act like we got everything together. But on the inside, our sin nature is just driving us up the walls and we don't know how to what anything to do about it. A part of me, you know, I kind of backslid it in my heart for a while. I wasn't just like straight up with it i guess and you know for a while i would just give anything to be born of some other parents not because i hated my parents i loved my parents but the fact that they were saved before i was even born and i was born and raised in this church that i was made to you know i was brought up a certain way i had certain things expected of me all of that kind of just weighed on me to be this perfect kid and that's why I was so ashamed uh, to admit anything that I was going through, anything that I was spiraling down in my mind. And sooner down the line, I just threw myself into self-medication, like my pastor likes to call it, you know, pornography, useless relationships, things like that. And ultimately, it, it amounted to nothing but, you know, heartbreak and addiction. So uh, I'd say about two years ago or a year and a half ago, something like that, I rededicated my life to Christ. And I just remember it, it was actually in boot camp. 
now that I think about it, it was two years ago in boot camp. I gave my life fully to Christ. And I just remember, I think there was a sermon on like, it was something like Jesus, the the normal guy or something like that. And it was talking about how Jesus went through every single pain in our lives and was just like us, rejected, alone. You know, he had his awkward teenage years and, you know, he can be real to us. So I remember having a desperation at the altar that night, just saying like, God, if you're real, be real to me because I'm tired of hearing everyone else's testimony. I'm tired of seeing these amazing, you know, transformations of people's and lives and souls, but me not having any part of that for whatever reason. And then I realized the thing that was holding me back was just the fact that I hadn't admit that yet, you know, that I had my own sin nature, that I was wicked on the inside. Because you look inside my head, man, on the outside, I might be doing everything right, but on the inside, I was wicked to the core. And you know, I just gave my life to Christ. It's been a road of transformation. You know, I still got things to work on, plenty to learn. But ever since that day, I've been sleeping like a baby. And I'm proud to say that because that's exactly what my God does. He replaces anxiety with peace, suicide with life. And yeah, it was the best decision that I could have ever made. And now all I want to do is just share that with the world and everyone else because Something tells me that even the best people, the best looking people, the most talented people, they're struggling with the same things as that I did because there's really no point in living a life without Christ. While you're searching it up, are we just like right now we're doing it? Oh, well, it's recording, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, yes, no, we I'm are, sure. brother. I'm, I'm, right. Right. I'm, I'm just going off. I'm like, I bet I'll find my scripture yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We all have a spiritual skinny mirror. Skinny mirrors are what shops use to make you look like thinner in a dress when you <laughs> see yourself so that you buy it and then you in a dress. instantly regret it because you realize you don't look thinner at all. You know, you're all messed up. But the same thing can happen in our spiritual life as well is that we look at our outward appearances. We go to church all dressed up. We got our tie and a nice little smile on our faces. We're worshiping God and stuff like that. But the minute we get in our car, we're like, shut up kids. You know, <laughs> daddy trying to eat, you know, we got angry <laughs> and all that. You know what I'm saying? So I think that's pretty important to tackle too, is just being able to see ourselves for who we truly are. A part of that is being able to look into our thought lives, see what we think, but also the things we do and other people's perspective of us. Because, you know, I, I forgot who said it. It was one of our pastors, but they said, one person calls you an ass, it, you know, just ignore it. Ten people call you an ass, you better settle up. You know <laughs> what I'm saying? So, you know, it's just being able to see yourself for truly who you truly are. Because you can't be able to, you're not able to repent of something that you think you didn't do you know what i'm saying so if i accidentally manslaughtered someone if i like hit them with my car or something like that and i don't think i did i genuinely believe that i didn't do it but there's cameras and everything showing that i did just because i i say like if i'm not pleading guilty at that point then i'm going to be going to jail for even longer you get what i'm saying so there's got to be a point where we, and a part of this is just being very self-aware, being able to have God search your heart. Um, one of the verses I got here is in Psalms, Psalm one or 139, 23 through 24. It says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting now this was david david was known for being the man after his own heart so we could take some footnotes here he was like yeah he was after his own heart that means he was righteous to a point you know he's made his mistakes but this guy is regarded as like one of the greatest kings in israel ever so you know being able to sometimes it's an honest mistake we can't see it we can't see our faults. We can't see our sin nature because also, 
here's another one is proverbs 21 2 every way of a man is right in his own eyes but the lord weighs the heart only the lord knows us we see ourselves in rose-colored glasses but when we give our lives to god and we're really letting his holy spirit search us and be able to find those wicked ways in us like david was saying it opens up doors to truly be righteous that's who we're called to be we're not called to be lukewarm we're not called to be mediocre we're called to be holy and anointed as god was and god and jesus he put on our wickedness and died for us so that we could put on his righteousness but here's here's the way i'll put it if i put on god's righteousness right but I still hold on to the wickedness of the past in myself. If I'm a dirty person, if you put a white shirt on a bummy person who's just been in the mud, right? The shirt's going to get dirty too. So you got to be able to clean the inside up, the deeper parts too. You know, not just the outward appearances, not just the things that you do, but the things you say, the things you think, the things that in the secret place, because that's where it matters. And that's kind of the, uh, the whole, not the whole thing, but one of the big, points in boot camp is that and the reason you're wearing a white t-shirt is because when you get in the mud and when you get all dirty you know it's an outward picture of how our souls on the inside can be you know i know i'm wearing a white shirt right now which is ironic but but you're not dirty <laughs> exactly i'm not dirty man exactly bro exactly um so when we talk about being dirty and being clean um, one scripture i found was Colossians 1 through 2, two scriptures. And it says, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on earth. So we did mention this or touch on this a little bit in our last episode. But um, later in later verses, uh, I think 5 through 10, some examples of things on this earth, temporary things, are fornication, uncleanliness, passion, evil desire, uh, covetousness, idolat which is idolatry, um, and anger, wrath, mouths, blasphemy, filthy language, and lying. So all these things that are of the world and not of God, right? This is right. what happened when Eve, ate, Eve and Adam ate the fruit. This is what came into the earth. This is not of God, right? So what it's saying is set your mind on things above. Set your mind on the kingdom of heaven and not on the kingdom of earth. If we're using reference to the kingdom, you know, if we are citizens in this kingdom, you know, we are going to be a part of the kingdom of heaven. That's what we should strive for. That's what Jesus talks about. You know, let your, lay your treasures not here on this earth, on the kingdom of earth, but in the kingdom of heaven. That's where your desire should be. And that's also what comes with true conversion when we are converted and we want to live for christ our our focus and our main desire our you know number one priority is uh, is just absolutely doing our best to live for god and um something i found in regards to how to live for god is uh, colossians three seventeen which says, and whatever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So in everything we do, we need to do it with purpose. You know, we are glorifying our Father in heaven. We have a purpose to follow God, and we have a purpose to lead others to God. So with true conversion comes with following Christ with all your heart. Following Christ means to be christ-like hence the word christian but if we're christ-like when we are christ-like we are to show the father in us the father that resides in us right exactly i'm trying to find a scripture right now that i really uh, can't picture it but i about it um i know it's in matthew i can't remember exactly well but it speaks of saying um if you seek the kingdom of god with all your heart basically you would god would bless you for that and all the things would be added to you i i just can't think of it right now what exactly what it is but 
it's, it's definitely i believe Wyatt said this in the last episode of of um he said that or heart and the treasure and all that what, what we have deep inside we're gonna i mean i don't know if he said it but i did a personal little study on this basically of what we have inside we're gonna that we're gonna find the value of it it and what the scripture is basically saying if we value god's kingdom and value all of god's righteousness we'll be blessed for it we'll be we, we would god will give us something in return for doing it i'm not trying to like that at, but I, I scripture just popped in my head and um it's definitely um something we look forward to of searching god's kingdoms trying to have this have this um urgeness to know more about god to have more of a connection with him and that's all i much i gotta say sorry exactly exactly and i think just to add on that you know both of you kind of said this was searching for god with all your heart not some of it all of it and what people take that as usually is kind of like with all your effort and that does it, it does like translate into that but also just like with all your heart meaning whenever the bible talks about the heart it's usually pretty important and usually it talks about how the heart is deceitful above all things you know how a heart is so wicked who could know it this that and the other and that's what we're supposed to be following him with you get what i'm saying so with that in mind you got to follow him with the fullness of yourself not just you can't put a front up with god is what i'm saying so it's important to recognize who you are who god is and who god wants you to be but first you got to start at the first step which is recognizing who you are and that could be a hard process i know it was for me sometimes you need situations god will put situations in your life just to show you how you would act in them just to show you how you would think in them how you react to certain people saying things about you you know how you react to lustful situations or situations of weakness just to show you that you're not done yet it's not time to relax we got to keep pressing forward we got to keep putting effort into following god with all of our heart not just when it's church time but in our thought lives and what we say and what we do how we act in certain situations and once the hard times in life hit that's where rubber reach, meets the road and your heart truly shows so yeah i just think that's pretty important knowing who you are in christ but also you know knowing who you're meant to be in christ romans 8 37 says know in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us now that says something pretty important there. It's a calling to who we're supposed to be as Christians, right? But also just a, a calling to establish dominion like we were saying. Another thing the Bible says is that we're children of God. 1 John 3, 1. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we would be called his children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him what it's saying there is two very important things is one christ god says that we're his children that's a very high standard to live up to if you look at royalty you know they got to act a certain way they got to do things certain ways they got to think a certain way and that's just being you know son or daughter of an earthly king being son and daughter of a heavenly king that's a high bargain and he does expect he has his grace he has his mercy he has his patience for us but when we get to heaven he's going to want to meet the person that he was making on this earth it's a call to being formed into something that you were not your true purpose and who you are and then the second thing in this is it says the reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him so while you might be rejected for doing these things while you might be rejected for taking a stand for gods and, and god and having convictions about certain things that you know and it might even be personal convictions me personally i don't have any social media on my phone i don't have anything you know i had to put limits on my phone just because i know how i can be personally and how god showed me i can be but and for some other people it might be different 
they might have more liberty with that. They might not struggle with the same things as that. That's why it's important to have some individuality in your Christianhood and being Christian is because usually we're being preached to from a pulpit where it's meant to reach many people and many specific people, right? But no one knows you as well as you and God do. So to work on making you individually, not just like a corporate Christian machine, you know, who God has called you specifically to be, you have to look at who you specifically are and make those changes, make those shifts. So if we're going to be more than conquerors and children of God, we got to start acting like that to a certain degree and realize what's holding us back. Yeah. And um, I really liked how that connected to this next scripture. I was going to, um, <clears throat> I was going to say is Second uh, Corinthians five fifteen, which says, "And he died for all, that those who live, <laughs> that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again." So we're called to live for God, which also connects to um, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus and glorifying God and everything you do. That's the purpose. That's um, what we are as Christians, that we are supposed to show who God is through our actions. Um, I remember one, um, one, I think it was an evangelist or someone, some famous uh, uh, speaker, he said, God sets me on fire and people watch me burn. So that's the point we're trying to make is from our exampleship and from how we live. Um, we not only help others, but we also um, show who God is to them, which can help them come to Christ. But the scripture that's tied in with that, the the main scripture for this podcast, Matthew, uh, was it believe 15? One, 15 or 16, one of those two, you are the light of the world. And basically pointing that as Christians, we are called to be a light in this world. And another one that I'm trying to find at the moment is Jeremiah, but I can't find exactly it's like I have these scriptures in mind, but I can't I can't find exactly where they're at and all that. But anyways, if Wyatt knows these scriptures, you like put like where it is and all that. Um, and it basically saying that God created us in the womb and he had plans for us. He knew exactly how life was gonna go out, how exactly how life would be and when we we're gonna get saved. He he had anything he has had a whole life planned out from the beginning, from just forming us in the mother's womb. It one it proves right. that how much God cares about us. Two, it points out that it just God has a plan for you. As I believe Felix was saying, he was saying that God has a plan for us to be able to become this man or woman of of he or that he's um this image that we had for or that he put onto us. Um, it may sound bad, but sometimes we need that that um to look and say, I could be like this, I could be like that, I could be like this, not out of a envy or prideful way, or oh, I'm so good, I could be like them, or there's no, I could look at my own abilities and say, if I keep on building up, I could be just as or maybe greater. Again, not out of pride or envy, like, oh, this, 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 no, out of just understanding who you are and it just amazing bro just to see that god has that much love for us that much thought of of us to see that you may be doing going through this right now but later on in the future you're going to be you're going to be having this or having that or whatever even even now you could you may have thoughts now plans now even now god could still use you god could still use you to anything bro and um i had one more thought i'm trying to think of it i think essentially what you (laughs) i think 
somewhat of what you're trying to say, or what I gather from that, from what you just said, is um, when you're following God, that's when God's purposes and plans prevail. Because I don't, I personally do not believe that God's purposes or plans will come true for you if you're not serving God. Yeah. You know, if you are doing your own thing, if you're not in the will of God, if you're not, if you're not, you know, actively serving God or in the will of God, I don't believe God's going to intervene. And that's because God gives free will to every single person. If you're not going to live for God, you don't want God in your life. He's not going to be a part of your life, you know, right. which is why we choose to serve God is because we want everything that God wants for us. And we want everything that God has for us. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Whew. That's heavy. That's heavy. Facts, <laughs> <laughs> bro. Yeah. No. And, and another thing. Yeah. You're not playing. You're not playing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that's really important. And just to add to that, you know, a lot of people don't. There's such a weird culture nowadays, especially here in America. Western culture is mad because we're all <laughs> trying to be so unique, you know. But God already right. created you, like, it's more special than anyone, like, in the world. You know, not one person is exactly the same, not one. You could be similar, but you're not the same. And I think that's really important because, like, you look at all these great pastors, you know, and a lot of them have crazy backgrounds. That, like, you would have never expected it, basically, you know. And... There's a lot of insecure people in the world who just wish they could be anyone else, but that's not who God is looking for. He's looking for you. He's looking to use you because you have a special purpose and special people you're supposed to reach that you were destined to help save, that you were destined to be a part of their destiny. But you got to get past the whole idea that you got to, we're supposed to be Christ like, but at the same time, God created us to be our own unique individuals. And that comes with flaws and all. So while God may need to iron out some things in you, he's still going to want to use you. He's not wanting to use, like, a better version of you. A matter of fact, all your flaws are just a testimony as to how God, how great God is, you know? Right. It's not saying that, you know, oh, you need to get better. It's saying allow God to make you who he wants you to be, and it'll blow your mind and other people's minds as well. Remember one saying from my pastor, he was preaching this sermon. Um, this I don't know if it was on topic of his sermon or not, but he had like a little, like, little bit of his uh, uh, blazer was like sticking out, like a little hail. And he said, basically, he could use you could use scissors. Same as a picture of God, he could use scissors to cut it off. But then again, if he the scissors don't want to be there, like the scissors are not there, he could use something else to rip that off. And it shows that we're all created. We're all created in God's image, point blank. And again, we're, I'm re-emphasizing the fact that God wants you. He, he chose right. you to do his will. He chose, he, I remember the scripture I'm coming line, but I don't know how exactly it goes. It's, I believe it's um, many are called, but few are chosen. I believe the scripture is not speaking of the fact that God chose some people to do it and not. I'm believing the scripture is saying that some people, the people, choose to do what he was called to do. It's right. it's 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 a it's uh it shows the fact that it's saying that many are called. I want to break this down a little bit. Many are called, many people are called to preach many people are not unless they're everyone's called to preach but many people are called to preach not behind a pulpit but we're called to preach though preach to this world point blank and show and demonstrate the love of god to other people and speak his glory because at the end of the day that's what god really wants he doesn't want us to be perfect and all that because to be terrible if we're still willing to go to church, still willing to pray, willing to to walk with them and walk and go to and 
go to church, have a relationship with them, God would 100% use it. He'd rather use someone that's willing to do it instead of someone that's there and choosing not to and having no will to continue to serve God. Right, exactly. Yeah, 100%. It's really a trip how much God loves us, man. <laughs> like, it's like, it really just puts you, like, makes you take a step back of your own life and how you are, who you are, and say, God really loves me. He really wants to use me. He, of all, there's, there's billions of people on this planet, but he chooses you. With your flaws, with all your mistakes, with every single thing, every little thing that you're thinking, oh, I'm not, I'm not good enough to do it. I'm not this, I'm not that. God still wants to use you. But you got to want to be used. You want to be used by God to be able to serve and follow him the rest of your life. And I can preach on. <laughs> yeah. yeah man, it's amazing, yeah. man. This is facts, bro. Cause like, well, we've talked about, you know, who we are truly in our heart of hearts, who God is and who he wants us to be, you know, who he's forming us to be. But for right now, I want to talk to the boys for a second. Okay. I want to talk to the men. Now, right off the bat, we're just going to talk about these two topics, godly masculinity versus the superficial. And uh, automatically, when you think of masculinity, you're going to think of some jacks, like lumberjack with chest hair, <laughs> like chopping lumber in the woods and hunting for his food, right? Or going to a baseball game or something like that. But all of that doesn't make you a man. But there is importance in being a man of God, like a true man of God. And this comes with godly masculinity. First Kings 2, 2 says, I go the way of all the earth. Be strong, therefore, and prove yourself a man. This was David talking to Solomon before he passed away. And he went on to talk about how he was supposed to uphold God's law and keep things sacred and things like that. But there's a very obvious call that I think a lot of young men are missing today. And that is the call to true masculinity. Now you don't gotta be the buffest guy in the park, but there are some requirements for that. For an example, you gotta learn to mature in your faith. Now, these are all growing things, right? We're all fed milk until we're able to eat meat and really grow in Christ like that. But first we gotta mature in our faith. Ephesians 4.13 says, until we, all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining the whole measure of fullness of Christ. Now, what that essentially means is exactly what we were talking about before. Just being able to dive in, being able to get in your Bible, get in prayer, and really work things out with God and be willing to change for Him, but also be willing to know Him for all He is, be willing to find him interesting because i mean we find a lot of different other things interesting you know some people are science geek me personally i've been a theater geek and stuff like that we get obsessed with the most random things but not the most interesting god that ever has and ever will exist you get what i'm saying and then this other one another criteria that i find at least in godly masculinity is being able to show yourself a leader through servanthood. Matthew 20, 26 through 27 says, Not so with you. Instead, however, whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life for a ransom for many. Now, what that essentially is saying is we're called to be a people of servants, right? And this is kind of something that I learned back in boot camp is if you want to lead people, you got to serve them, man, because they're not under you. They're not like you're not any better than them. That's not what we're aiming at. What we're aiming at is conversion 
being able to help people through hard times, being able to point them to Christ and all that. Um, these are just two points of mine if y'all want to jump in. And then I got a couple more. Definitely, that's that's something. Um, point that Jesus is a definitely a good example as a man of God, because many I'm, I'm I don't I believe many scholars um they believe like the old like I don't know exactly how to word it, but uh the old uh Bible and all that basically spoke that God's gonna Jesus is gonna come. And he's gonna come and take names and kick butt and all that. <laughs> but I don't, I don't know how true that is. But uh, point blank, he wasn't. He didn't came to kick butt. He didn't came to, to be all this buff guy like Samson and all that and then kill a whole bunch of people. No, he came as a carpenter. He came and lowered him, lowered himself as a human to die on the cross. And. It's humble. They're humble. Humble. That's what I was looking for. I don't know why lowered was the first word of that. Oh, but yeah, um, he humbled himself. Like, point blank, bro. If if you really had to die for people you don't know, that's definitely showing of being a man. Because like, I don't know a lot of people that down to die for someone they don't even know. Especially right. someone who doesn't accept. Yeah. No. That's even more than that, talk neck about like, you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Even more that than that is someone that you do know, right? So God sent his son. God knew everyone. And God may have not, like, known every... I don't know all the details about Jesus knowing, like, every name on the planet or being omnipresent like God is in the way, like, he knows everything, right? But the fact that he did know the wickedness of man and still came to die from... That's self, like, selflessness, right? And that's something we all need not only as Christians, but as men to do. I mean, just think about like noble men in the military that, you know, there's this, I don't remember. It's some, there was this guy, he was a medic. He refused to kill because of his faith in God. And um, he served as a medic in Hacksaw Bridge. He was willing to like kick grenades out of the way. He was willing to go into line of fire with no weapons just to help people that at first disrespected him didn't like him, didn't treat him well or anything like that. So I think that's a very important aspect of it is just having that kind of like, you know, presence about you that says, I'm willing to die. There's a scene in a movie, I forgot what it's called called or where it's from, but basically there was a stick up in a shop, right? And this guy's like waving around a gun and stuff. This Christian man is in the store and um someone spoke up and he started pointing the gun at him right he started pointing the gun at this random person and the christian man he jumps in the way and he says hey if you're going to shoot anyone shoot me right and that's because he knows where he's going that's because he knows he's bound to go to heaven and that's a true sign of masculinity is just like being bold in the face of fear knowing who you are knowing where you're going and having security in that enough in that so that you could also save other people along the way by being selfless by giving up your life uh you know literally or just like selling all out for god going into other countries right. doing things that you never thought you could before yeah and um and another thing that for every man you know the uh, the standard should be um you know jesus the real man, a man of the hour, the real man we should follow, the real man we should take after is Jesus Christ. So right. when you think about it, um, Jesus Christ had a lot of emotions. So, um, you know, nowadays, usually masculinity is, um, is kind of connected to not having feelings or kind of looked at as like, I need strong and I need to, you know, have a strong will, never cry ever in my life, which there is a factor to that. But the thing is, is Jesus had emotions. Jesus did not neglect his emotions. Jesus loved people. Jesus had mercy and Jesus had compassion, which is what drew him to the cross. Because he loved us, he went to the cross, you know. So 
if us as men, if we're called to be like Jesus, if we're absolutely supposed to follow Jesus, we are supposed to also live in that love, mercy, and compassion. We, and it's supposed to drive everything we do. We are supposed to be selfless. We're supposed to have the fruits of the Spirit, and we're supposed to be that. We are supposed to be that example. So not only do we need to be bold, as you guys were talking about, but we also need to love others. We need to have compassion on others because too many people associate manlyhood with being someone who has no emotion, who never, who never has compassion or anything like that. And we as men need to protect people. We need to care for people because that's what Jesus did and that's what God does. Right. And I'd even like to, there's a very important thing that you just established here, was that Jesus had emotion, right? And I'd like to expand on that a little bit. God calls us, you know, between women and uh, men. This generation, they love to think that there's no difference between us, but there really is, okay? Equality does not mean the same. Equal in value, but different things, right? Us men, we're supposed to be the stronger vessels. Vessels back then were used to carry, like, heavy heavy loads of water you know, by servants they were made of stone they didn't break easy if you like accidentally dropped them or something like that and they were used for servanthood while women on the other hand are the weaker vessels what is a weaker vessel it's something of value right it has some artistry to it it's not made of stone it's made of glass it's that's what makes women valuable right is the fact that they are the weaker vessel that god does use them in that way and there's something beautiful about that that i think isn't appreciated in this generation because everyone wants to be you know boss bees or something like that you know what i'm saying yeah and but there is a very big difference and um i'm sorry to cut you off but just no. one more thing to add is just jesus had emotion right he literally had the world at the palm of his finger he could Nano snap, everyone's gone. The planet is destroyed. <laughs> Point blank, you're done, right? So he yeah. had emotion, but he also had power. So if imagine if some random teenager had that power, we all be gone by now, right? <laughs> or even worse, we'd be their slaves or something like that, because that's yeah. human nature, right? But Jesus had control over his emotions. His love was greater than the pain that he was facing, right? So that doesn't mean that's what I'm talking about, superficial masculinity. Superficial masculinity isn't about the occupation you hold, the things you're into, the the things you say, right? Or depending on what you say, I guess. Or if you don't or do feel emotion or not. It's about being human but being strong and stoic and willing to put others before you. So um, another thing is um, if you've heard of, I think it's Bill Wise or Bill Weese, but pretty much he's a guy who spent 21 minutes in hell, 23. Um, he uh, just had this crazy experience where pretty much he went to hell and, you know, a lot of different things. He pretty much he, uh, experienced hell. Um, but he said when his whole, you know, his experience was over, he was standing before a pit and just souls were falling into the pit. And the pit was, you know, hell. And uh, just like droves and droves of souls, you know, by the second were falling into this pit. And he said that he saw, he didn't see Jesus. He said like he saw a man like in a light, you know, and uh, immediately knew this was Jesus. But he said um, that. Jesus um, allowed him to feel just a, a small, small little portion of what of how Jesus saw that situation of that pit, and he said it was such it was such a sorrow that he had never felt ever in his life before. He said it was a sadness that that he would never experienced or ever felt ever in his life, and he said, and that one was just a small portion of what Jesus felt, and. Um, and that's just an example of how much Jesus loves us, how much Jesus values us, you know, um, how a right. man can value his wife. Jesus will value us in the same way, even more so, you know, yeah. enough to drive him to the cross. Yeah. Now, a couple more things I'm just going to speed through really quick about 
you know masculinity and how that wages war against modern masculinity which is to all be in your feelings to let your emotions and impulses override you right to be more feminine in a sense to be the weaker vessel to force yourself into that situation is just to know that you're an example to others acts 20 28 says therefore take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the holy spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of god which he purchased with his own blood that establishes a couple things but most notably is that you are holding an example to someone in your life right and that that's why he says overseers and seers he's appointed you to a certain position and that might you might not be able to think of anyone but just think of your little cousin your little sister someone that you wouldn't think of that's who you're an example to whether you like it or not right and he also reinforces the need to you know really take value in this position of exampleship by saying which he purchased with his own blood it's reinforcing the fact that the people of god the people that surround you are very important to him and it's your job to lead as an example to him you know and that's also you know a call to leadership you're meant to be a leader but you got to be able to buck down get your integrity together otherwise you're not going to be the leader that god's called you to be now a couple other things is just meekness now this is touched on in the bible and a lot of people misinterpret this classic verse matthew 5 5 blessed are the meek they shall inherit the earth right a lot of people interpret that as more going along the lines of humble or while the humble are blessed right or like um they re basically replace the word meek with weak in their mind and that's not a correct translation of that basically what it's saying is blessed are the strong who don't use their strength against others right so they're peacekeepers jordan peterson puts it this way blessed are those who have swords and know how to use them but keep them sheathed right and what that's basically saying is you do have the strength you do have the strength to fight whether that be physically you know the bible says thou shalt not murder not thou shalt not kill so it, this is very controversial but if someone like comes up on my family with a gun they're gonna you know get slumped before my family you get it you know self-defense yeah exactly it's self-defense that's not murder right murder is unlawful in the eyes of god it's without a cause it's without reason right it's out of hatred or something like that but if you're defending your family david the killer of like thousands they even made a song about it when he was in his time right yeah so a lot and of people look at that and oversee it, right but he wasn't murdering he was killing for god and i'm not saying that we're called to kill for god don't get me wrong but i'm saying to a point a man has to know how to protect himself and his family even the most humble and like peaceful men that i've met in my life that have pastored me i have never like they know how to defend themselves in some way as meek as they look right they know how to defend themselves they got a shotgun or something in the trunk just in case you know they're not afraid to defend those people that they love because you know here here's some other thoughts is matthew 5 44 but i tell you love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you right and then here's this other one romans 12 20 if your enemy is hungry feed him if he is thirsty give him something to drink in doing this you will heap burning coals on his head now a lot of people use this and say you know don't defend yourself don't develop that suppress that inside of you right don't take up martial arts don't learn how to use a gun right don't be able to defend your family because god will protect you and you won't ever need to right but it's quite the opposite because what situation are you going to be able to feed your enemy right this is an enemy that's pursuing you right the enemy that's trying to basically kill you or harm you in some sort of way uh, if someone broke into your house with a gun right and he's gonna take your children and eat your food you're not gonna offer him the food and a sprite right oh would you like some food with that would you like a coke They'll no, never take our food. Exactly, exactly, bro. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? 
So you're not going to yeah. be able to have the opportunity to bless your enemy unless you have them in captive. Now, back in their day, they didn't take prisoners of war. They didn't take people captives. It was something foreign to them. So even in this last war with Afghanistan, right, the prisoners of war, they were surprised when America took them in and clothed them and fed them because they would have never done that, right? And that's what the Bible means by bless your enemies. You can't bless your enemies when you're already dead and your family's taken from you, right? So I, I think there's an importance to that. You know, that's what it truly means to be a peacekeeper as someone who has the power. Another analogy to use is imagine you're defending a village, right? You're in this village and uh, someone with their entire army, army comes to, you know, pillage your village, destroy your people, take your women and children, right? If you go there, if you're a farmer and you go there with like crops and stuff and you're like, please just take this and leave. Is that being a peacekeeper or a shriveling weakling, right? That's not being a peacekeeper. That's being a pleader. That's someone who's begging for for them to go away. But to be a peacekeeper is to have a hundred guys behind you ready to fight and say, hey, do you want peace or do you want war? Because we can do it either way. You get what I'm saying? So this whole idea of not being able to defend yourself, thou shalt not kill, it's totally foreign from the Bible if you actually look into it. And as a man, we're supposed to be the protectors and providers of our family. I think that's going to do it for us, guys. Thank you guys for joining us. Please follow us and subscribe if you like this content. Give us a follow on Instagram to keep up with us and to keep up with the upcoming announcements and episodes. Visit our website for more merch. And um, we'll see you in the next one. God bless. Thank you. We've talked about a lot of different important topics today. But most of all, we want to make sure that your soul is right with God. And, you know, Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And we want to offer you that opportunity even at the end of this video, even in your own personal life, through your own personal prayer. And I'm going to lead you in that right now if you're willing to just set aside everything, all the junk, all the nonsense of life that this life has to offer you and just go all in for Christ. Because let me tell you, it's the best decision you're ever going to make. It's the only fulfilling one you're ever going to make. I'm just going to lead you in a simple prayer right now. Say, Lord Jesus, I thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I know you rose on the third day. I accept you as my Lord and Savior. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me clean. Blot out my iniquities. I accept you as the king over my life. And I'm ready to give my all to you first by my soul. Save me, God. Resurrect my life. Jesus' name. Amen.